money-minded athlete nation. Welcome back. I am still trying to figure out this intro, y'all. There is a lot of other people who have their intros down pat. Listen to some of their podcasts. You got like two, maybe three, but it's like the go-to intros every time. This is Kyle Pullins, and I am your host here on the Money Minded Athlete Show. I'm a money minded athlete. Is your athletic mind is your athletic mind money minded? Let's find out. Today, welcome back, first off. Second off, before we get into today's episode with Mr. Wilson, we're gonna talk about Mr. Reviews on iTunes. Or Mrs. Reviews on iTunes for you ladies out there. I love all my listeners and I need more listeners in on this show. I'm just getting this podcast rolling, you know, a couple months in. I mean, it's been, it's really feels like it's been about a month, but we're longer than that now because of some hangups on my end, but we're in it. So what I need from y'all is more reviews to help this show grow. That's how iTunes, their algorithm, the podcast world works. The more reviews you have, the more they want to show your stuff to more people. And that's what this is all about is getting more athletes, coaches, and parents of those athletes involved in this getting them educated around finance, money, and making sure they have the tools they need to be successful with that. So go to iTunes, leave a review, love a five-star review, but give me your honest review. If you got a three or a four for me, let me know that too. I will surely take it and improve the show because of your feedback. So thank you and God bless for that. Today's episode, Mr. Drewby Wilson. Now, None of y'all are really going to know who he is, and that's okay, because there are a lot of successful people in this world that not many people know who they are. Part of it, they want it that way, too. You know, it's it's like this mini uh, celebrity world of sorts. Like, people who don't follow baseball aren't going to know who Mike Trout is, or, you know, any of these, you know, you pick any industry like that. Like, if you're not familiar with weightlifting, you're not going to know who the most, like the world's strongest man is, right? That stuff, one, that stuff changes a lot. I've heard of like a few different ones, you know, for different lifts, etc. But regardless, each little industry niche like that has its own celebrity. It's, it's, it's its own pond, you know, a big fish in a small pond. Only so many people are going to know about that pond. Mr. Drewby Wilson is in a very big pond with some very big fish which is one of the reasons he is so successful. And we're going to talk about that on this show today. He is probably the right-hand man for Mr. Ryan Stuman, who is going to be on the show in a few weeks as well. A little bit about Ryan, best-selling author. I mean, he's got like a lot of books, like eight books, I think maybe 10, and been featured in Forbes, Huffington Post. I mean, all these major publications. And this guy... We get some inside look into that world from Mr. Drewby Wilson, who he's going to talk about a sales background, how he got into that, some of the stories, things that made him successful, and how he really kept striving and pushing through the adversity, which we're all going to come to adversity at some point, so it's a great lesson to learn. Now he's a seven-figure sales producer, million dollars producing in sales. That's some big stuff, right? So... Lots of lessons to be learned there, and maybe y'all will start to consider how sales can really impact your life and how it's not always as it is perceived in the movies and in the media. A lot of people are out there selling, and they don't call themselves salesmen. 
They don't call themselves saleswomen. They may not even call themselves a salesperson, but they are out there closing deals and making sales left and right, and they don't even blink about it. Drewby Wilson is one of those men. He's going to share his story. Let's get right into it today. A little um, kind of backstory on the podcast. Uh, have you seen the ESPN 30 for 30 uh, broke? Uh, I have Watched not. any of those? Okay. So that one was, it was like all sports, but there was a lot of NFL and NBA guys. He's like big contract, you know, first round draft picks and stuff, just getting these huge signing bonuses, et cetera. And then like one year in or like three years in, even before they, you know, they retired, they're broke. They're out of money. Spending on friends, drugs, going out, you know, buying their family and friends' cars and houses and shit and baby girl, you know, baby mama drama, all this other kind of stuff. And essentially I was like, well, I don't, you know, I wasn't raised with a good financial IQ on personal finance. Like this stuff, this stuff isn't really taught in schools. So it's educating high school, college, and young professional athletes on uh, personal finance, business, sales, marketing, I mean, anything related to income, saving, investing, et cetera. Yeah, no, I've definitely heard that story. I haven't seen that specific episode, but I've, you know, heard a number of those stories where those, you know, and most of them are kids, right? They're 19, Mm -hmm. 20 years old. Mm -hmm. They come into this, you know, huge amount of money and there's really no, no education on that. You know, high school certainly isn't teaching us how to manage our money and, Certainly high school teachers don't have the kind of money that these kids are coming into. So there's, you know, they're not a great influence in that sense. So yeah, I've definitely heard that story and it's always really sad to hear about those guys. Yeah, it is. And, and it's not always, you know, I, I, I don't even think most of the listeners for this podcast are going to be those big, you know, D one top of the line Zion Williamson type players that, you know, are looking for that kind of financial education. I think it's just going to be quote unquote run of the mill athletes. Like, you know, just most athletes out there, you know, aren't getting that education in general, whether they're being recruited at a, at a high level to go play professionally for whatever sport they're in, or if they're just, you know, playing in high school and wanting to play college or, you know, whatever it is. But regardless, none of them have, you know, a solid, I mean, I can't say none of them because I'm sure some of them do, whether that's at home. But I feel like most of the time, most of them don't have a good financial education, a good business education, you know, learning the language of money, how to make it instead of just going to get a nine to five job or, you know, a part time thing at a restaurant nearby as a waiter or whatever it is. Right. Just random just random odds and end jobs. Yeah, absolutely. And it, it's, you know, like you said, it, it is the everyday person, you know, the, the average athlete, even if you get recruited to, you know, a higher level sport, you're still going to be making more money than most people in your age bracket. Right. Mm-hmm. And in that sense, <clears throat> you know, the money that you're making in the, the job quote unquote that you're doing to make that money it's not quite the same as your average person, right? Most people get up, they go to their nine to five or their, you know, whatever the hours are and they, they work a normal job. You know, when you play sports, 
it's a totally different situation. And I, I feel like that's part of as you're growing up and going through school and you're, you're participating in those activities, the lifestyle that you live is going to be different than, you know, somebody who isn't invo- involved in that high level sports, because mm-hmm. obviously if you got two a day practices and then you're committed to weekends or nights or whatever that looks like for your sport, mm-hmm. obviously you're, you're doing things a little bit differently. And like you said, there's a, not a lot of education towards how to live a normal lifestyle outside of sports and i I think that ties very closely in with the financial aspect of you know if you're just used to living sports you're not familiar with like having a regular job or managing your money and paying your bills because you're so highly focused on sports and that's important because to perform at a high level you have to be focused Mm -hmm. but i think you know for the long term of these the the generations about you know coming that get involved in sports, it's, it's definitely important to impart some sort of financial education and, and making sure they know how to live a, a normal lifestyle as well, because unfortunately sports doesn't last forever. No, no. And like, uh, the NFL, like the average career length is like three to five years or something like that. You know, it's just, that's crazy short to think, you know, like you're not going to work in insurance or the car business for three to five years. <laughs> like, you know, what other professional career lasts that long? And some of these kids just, you know, it's it's a game, it's a sport. At the same time, when you get to that next level, that's a profession, that's a career. You're getting paid to do that work, and it's treated a little bit differently, sadly. When you, yeah. when, when you brought it up, I didn't even think about it like that until, like, now. But at the college level, like, a guy getting a scholarship – and you know going to practice and games and like that's the usual stuff but like because they're not trading that money for that quote-unquote service of college and to be able to play you know like it's a it's a loan from somewhere else it's like fed loan it's sal or sally may or whoever you know whoever else is giving you that money whether it's your parents covering it most of the time right these kids aren't just dropping like a hundred thousand dollars at this school. <laughs> like what 18 year old kid has got even like a thousand dollars, let alone, you know, a hundred thousand dollars. But to have that kind of mindset going in is like, you are paying them to go to school and to go play your sport. So not only are you not getting paid as a, prof- as a quote unquote professional, you're paying them to do that. Right. And that that thought process wasn't in my mind of treating that like this. It was just like, oh, this is just a higher level of high school. And I, I feel like I'm not quite in my head getting that message out like it came across when you were talking about it. But I was like, fuck, I didn't even have that mindset going in of like, this is a job. Like I came in and I showed up and did my work and, you know, put in extra hours and stuff. But I wasn't treating it like a business, like a. CEO mindset kind of thing, like you were kind of alluding to. So I was like, damn, that's good. Yeah. I think if, if we could give that sort of mindset to these kids as they're coming up uh, and, and treating it, you know, uh, themselves as a personal brand, as a business, mm-hmm. Hey, this is who I am. This is what I'm about. This is what I represent. Here's what I'm trying to bring to the sport. Here's what I'm trying to bring back to the community, to the people that have supported me. I think if we could ingrain that sort of mindset in these, you know, up and comers, that would be a huge shift in the entire sports industry. And I know there's some some guys out there that are doing stuff like that. I can't think of any uh, specific names off the top of my head, but I know I've heard of some 
high level folks who are reinvesting their money that they've earned mm-hmm. in playing sports in creating an education for these guys and helping them say, hey, you know, instead of taking that, you know, let's say you get a hundred thousand dollar signing bonus instead of just blowing that on a chain and a new car and some, you know, whatever, take 50 and put it into an investment, something that's going to pay you back. You know, even if it's only 500 bucks a month, like that's long-term money, right? That's just money that sits on the side. You can still go spend 50 and get a cool chain and a new car, but you don't have to pull it, you know, don't blow it off. And that's, I think one of the important things is as these kids are coming up, if we can educate them on how to treat themselves as a business and have that CEO mindset, you know, how to represent themselves, how to make sure they're making wise decisions, whether it's financially or in their personal life to make sure Mm -hmm. that their brand isn't destroyed or tarnished. I think that would be hugely valuable. Yeah, absolutely. And it's like two examples from that is I heard of Alex Rodriguez after he got I'm I'm pretty sure he was drafted by the Rangers. You know, he got a big signing bonus and I heard that he put, you know, he went and bought a house with a lot of his money at not and just like bought a house. It's like most people's like, Oh, I'm gonna buy my mom a house. I'm gonna buy a nice big ass house. He's like, no, he bought it as a real estate investment. And he's like, I, otherwise I would have spent it. You know, this eight, 17, 18, 19 year old kid going to be a future Hall of Famer at the time. You know, he doesn't really know that. But, I mean, that's obviously one of the biggest names in baseball. And at that age, he's smart enough to go and have that investment. And now he's doing all kinds of uh, real estate investment. And, 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 you know, he's been on Shark Tank um, investing in these companies that come on and, and things like that. So it's, you know, he's a guy who's on my on my list. And one of the reasons I wanted to get the show going like this is to interview people like him and get these kids thinking, on that kind of level because yeah man that's awesome and and, you know i've myself have not been a huge sports follower uh but you know it to me coming from like the other side of it and seeing you know what happens to these guys as they they get that money and and they fall off or maybe they never get that money maybe right like these kids they spend their entire childhood all the way up into college and they are just absolutely grinding, putting in the work, doing everything they got to do. And maybe they're just one of the people that get hurt. And then, you know, they've spent their entire childhood, 18, 20 years, you know, dedicated to sports and then they get hurt and they can't play anymore. And then they're like, well, I've got nothing else. Like what, Mm -hmm. what do I do? So that's when they, you know, fall into old bad habits, you know, running with kids from the neighborhood. And, and again, I'm not trying to like, put it on anybody specific, but like we all fall into those bad habits. We just kind of don't know what to do. And as we're growing up, we don't know what we don't know. We always just assume we're superhuman. We're never going to get hurt that this Mm -hmm. wave that we're on is going to last forever. And, you know, so for those kids, especially it would be hugely important to explain to them the value of managing their business so that if they do get hurt, they have some other opportunity, something that they can fall back on, and, and know that they still have a future ahead of them. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> well, we kind of got, we just started talking a little bit and it was so, you know, we were already starting off so good. I didn't, I didn't want to switch it up. So, you know, I started the recording a little bit ago, but I want to, you know, give these, give these listeners, Drew, be a little background on you and, and what you're all about. Yeah, absolutely, man. So I am just a regular dude. I grew up, I rode bikes, skateboarded. I was kind of the anti-sports guy, I guess. I, I, I guess I just never really liked doing the team thing. I was kind of a solo dude. 
Mm-hmm. But so I did BMX and, and rode skateboards and all that kind of fun stuff. Uh, but over the years, I ended up falling into a position in sales and business. Uh, I don't know how that happened. I was kind of like dislike sales guys, but it is what it is. <laughs> um, so as I was growing up, I got into a position where I started selling cigars uh, for a guy. I was working as like a bouncer at a nightclub and just kind of like getting through. I never really mm-hmm. did a whole lot. Uh, as far as schooling or anything like that, I think I spent about three weeks at a community college before saying, you know, forget this. I I got other things I can be doing. And so I went into sales, uh, started selling cigars, ended up taking the cigar shop that I worked at and turning it into the number one cigar shop in Toledo. We did just over half a million dollars in sales that year. Uh, and, you know, the previous year, I think they had only done around like 350 or so. So I was really excited about that. Never really knew uh, that I had any sales skills, but I was kind of blessed, right? So cigars are an interesting camaraderie. You get guys that live paycheck to paycheck and you get guys that make, you know, millions of dollars a year yep. and they're all hanging out in a lounge together enjoying a $5 <laughs> stick, right? So yeah. I was kind of one of those kids that I didn't have like a great upbringing. My dad was in and out. My mom did her best, but she had three boys, single mom, worked Mm -hmm. her ass off to take care of us. So it was always kind of one of those things that I saw. You only get out of the world what you put into it. Mm -hmm. And so I I like when I was hanging out with these guys at the cigar shop, I would just kind of hang out and listen. You know, I I like to ask questions and and hear what these guys had to say. And and what I learned uh, very early on was that a wise man doesn't have the answer for every question, but he knows where to go looking for them. Mm-hmm. And so for whatever reason, that like really rang with me. And, and so I've, I've done a lot of question asking to guys that I've run into and a d- number of different careers I've had. And so within you know the cigar shop, I really got to learn from a lot of different guys on different levels and take those you know, lessons from those guys and and turn them into something that I can put forth and, and feel valuable about. So I worked at the cigar shop for a number of years. Unfortunately, the guy who owned it, he came in two weeks before Christmas back in 2008. And uh, it was a Sunday. I just gotten paid on Friday, you know, went out, bought Christmas presents, did the whole mm-hmm. damn thing. Because at the time I was, I think, 21 or 22, still living paycheck to paycheck, you know, like everybody at that age most of the time. Sure. And uh, so he came in and he said, hey, man, I really appreciate all the hard work you've done for me, but I'm going to let you go. And I'm, Ouch. <laughs> I said, what? Seriously? And so he said, yeah, man, I'm just, uh, you know, I'm not making as much money as I should be and whatever. And so I, I'm going to let you go two weeks before Christmas. Holy Ouch. crap. And, you know, I, if anybody's ever tried to find a job around the holidays, mm. it's damn near impossible. So I spent about a month and a half, you know, begging, pleading, looking all over for a job and obviously couldn't find anything. So no one was hiring during the holidays or they were just getting ready to let everybody off uh, that they had hired. So in mid January, I got a call from one of my customers at the cigar shop and he said, Hey man, I, I work at this furniture store. We're getting ready to get busy for, you know, tax season. If, if you're interested, I might be able to bring you in on commission. At least you can make a little bit of money and, you know, do your thing. All right. Well, hey, I'll, I'll take anything I can at this point. Right. So I mm-hmm. uh, went in, met the owner, talked to the, the guy that was a customer. And the owner was 
awesome enough to give me an opportunity. And I ended up going in and during a two month span, I sold just over $150,000 worth of furniture, which was like just a few thousand dollars shy of the guy who brought me in who had been selling for about 10 years. Awesome. Yeah. And so at this point, like I really kind of fell in love with sales mm-hmm. and, and it was more than just selling and making money because, you know, I didn't make a whole lot of money from that. You know, I, I did OK, but it wasn't great. And what I really loved, though, was was having that conversation, building rapport, getting to understand the customer's needs and then helping them, you know, solve whatever the problem was. You know, they had an issue yes. with their bad sleeping habits. So we got them the right mattress or you know, they needed, they got a new home, so they needed to decorate it correctly. So we got them mm-hmm. a whole house set up. So I kind of just fell in love with the process of, of helping people. And so from there, I ended up doing uh, property and casualty insurance, went and sold insurance. Uh, I was a sales manager for about six years at a family insurance agency and did pretty well there. As, uh, I think I did just over a million and a half dollars in total premium during the six years that I was there. Uh, and and was really blessed to continue learning a lot about sales and, and helping people in that situation. Fast forward to a few months ago, I was actually given an opportunity by one of my mentors, Ryan Stuman, to come on board with his uh, Brick Free Academy program, which is an online education platform where we help young business owners and entrepreneurs get the right mindset and skills needed to you know launch their business and, and take it to the next level. And so that's been my focus over the last about six months or so is Mm -hmm. working with business owners and entrepreneurs, especially the young guys, you know, people who are coming up in the world and want to do something other than the typical nine to five that know that they can do more and and get more out of life. So right now, my focus is really working with business owners, entrepreneurs, like I said, people who want to get out of their current rut and and take themselves to that next level. So I'm, I'm excited to say that's what I've been up to. Awesome. That's it pretty powerful story right there and definitely a lot of a lot of ebb and flow in that you know ups and downs in that story too which you know is 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 you know it's just more of a blessing in disguise I feel like you know going going through that kind of stuff at the time you know you're definitely not feeling like it getting let go around Christmas time you know it's never one never a good time to not have you know some income coming in but it also just kind of probably makes you feel you know I don't want to say not worthy, but it's just, you know, it's a easy way to get depressed that time of year to have something like that happen when, you know, I feel like things are going good and all of a sudden it's just complete 180. Like, you know, it sounds like it just kind of shocked you that he was letting you go when you were like this top sales guy for him. just kind of out of the blue kind of thing, right? Uh, let's just say that there was a few nights where a tear or two got shed. Uh, I'm not, you know, too big to say that I, it's certainly, sure. it hurt my ego, right? Like, yeah. Hey man, I, I've been running this place. I know the numbers, like I see the profit margins. Like, I, it just didn't make sense to me at the time. Mm. Uh, but it's funny that you would say that it was a blessing in disguise because it turns out the guy that I worked for at the time, uh, was doing some things that weren't quite right. And I guess, you know, shortly after I left the IRS and, you know, some, some bigger people got involved and, and uh-huh. it was exactly like you said, it was a blessing in disguise that I got out of there. I was blessed to go and work for the, the furniture store where they treated me very well, gave me an opportunity. And, and that's kind of like the story of my life is, is, you know, I've gone through these hard times, but I always look for the opportunity. And when the opportunity presents itself, I, I jump. I just say, hey, I, I know this is it. 
I need to do this. I, I make the commitment. I go all in on it. And thankfully, when those opportunities have presented themselves, I've, I've gone all in and made that commitment and been blessed to, to have a bit of success. You know, not to say that I don't have hard times or, or go through right. certain struggles, but I, I think the big thing for me is recognizing opportunity and not being afraid to go for it when it presents itself. And, and that's, I think, what we need to share with the guys who listen to this podcast. You know, uh, yeah, there's going to be opportunities to, to make big money and, and to, to play sports. But it's, it's always good to remember you need to have something you can fall back on, a skill set, a mindset, something that you can always hold true to yourself that will give you the opportunity to take it to that next level, even if you happen to fall down. Mm-hmm. Well, I thought I, it, it was kind of funny that you said that. Um, I'm sure Ryan is, has told you the story. You've heard it from some of his old content. But it was, you know, probably like a month after I met you for the first time at the um, at the event <clears throat> at the Galleria was listening to, I think it was in the Break Free Academy, Ryan was talking about his story and like how <clears throat> he started working doing, I don't know if it was, loans or mortgages at a at a bank or somewhere and then he he ended up losing that job or no he he applied at a place and like didn't get the job that he thought he was like all set for no he okay he i remember somewhat he had gotten applied like he he had just gotten out of jail not too long ago it was like within like a year or something and then he he got the job and then they did like another background search like oh turned him down because like of you know, him getting arrested within like the past two years or something like that. But he's like, it was a blessing in disguise because the next job I got at the bank or wherever it was, I don't remember specifically, but he's like, <clears throat> I started working there and started crushing it. And then that company that I, I really wanted to work for at first got shut down by, you know, the feds or somebody for, you know, some illegal shit that they were doing. So it was like a blessing in disguise because, you know, a guy who goes in there who's a felon, like he's like he said, he's going to be the scapegoat. And they're just going to like throw him under the bus and blame all this stuff that's happened on him when, you know, he's just the new guy coming in trying to hustle up some money and, and get, you know, try to straighten his life back out. And that was kind of funny that you, that you're working for him. And then you told me that about him. So it's a funny connection, but kind of a random one at that too. It's weird how the universe has a way of like putting you in circles with people that, that share kind of a similar story. Uh, not always the same, right? But we all go through these struggles. And, and as we go through those struggles, we find our tribe, our, our group that mm. can really help us take it to that next level. Because, you know, when you're surrounded by folks who want to be winners, who want to be successful and don't accept excuses for themselves, it's hard to, you know, give yourself an excuse and be like, oh, well, it's just okay to, to be okay. Like, no, I know that I need to be great. These people show me that it's possible. I need to stop making these excuses and, and do what I got to do to get shit done. Yeah, absolutely. Well, there's, I mean, so many points I want to get to. I want to go back to one thing you were talking about earlier when you were working at the cigar shop, you know, around average Joes up to these millionaires coming there and smoking cigars. You know, it, it's kind of funny. It's like, it's almost like golf. There's, <clears throat> there's average Joes and then, there's the millionaires out there, you know, doing business deals on the golf course. Um, you, you were talking about the questions that you're starting to ask these guys. Can you, because I, I understand how powerful asking the right questions are and not just asking, 
you know, basic questions, but the deeper of a question that you ask, the deeper of a question, the deep, the deeper of an answer that you're going to get and the better answers you're going to get, the better results you're going to find. So can one, can you talk a little bit about what kinds of questions you were asking those guys and what was your mindset around, you know, getting around those guys and what kind of stuff were you trying to learn from them? Yeah, absolutely. So um, I think when it comes to asking questions, what I always tried to do would be, you know, casually listening in, in listening in on their conversation. You know, it. So Ryan has a thing called like the E3 method, where you listen to a story, you experience a story, you extract the lessons. So the lessons that I would be looking for and the questions that I would be asking would be you know, what, what caused that situation to happen? How did you get to where you are? Why is it that you think this is important versus this other thing? So like kind of the who, what, why, where, and whens of these guys' life and their business, you know, so the guys that were doing a lot of money, I would, you know, making a lot of money, had successful business. I would kind of listen to the, the struggles that they were going through that, you know, because inevitably when they're hanging out, they're either bragging about some big deal that they've done or they're bitching about something that's going on. So whichever way they were going with it, I would kind of just ask like, hey, well, what caused that to happen? Or how did your guys achieve that? Like, what is it that was different this month than last month? And, and kind of just picking and choosing the, the little bits of wisdom that I could pull out of it. Now, the, the guys that didn't have a lot of money, you know, where I found the value with those guys would be listening to their stories and, again, extracting the lessons of like, hey, they said that they did this, this and this. And then, you know, it's obvious that this happened. So maybe I don't want to do that same kind of thing that they did because it, it, it's clear indicator that, you know, not that they're bad people, that, you know, anything like that but they're just not as successful as they wanted to be in life. They're, they're telling me that, Hey, had I not done this, I probably could have achieved this. So to me, it's take that lesson of, okay, well, if this guy did this and he's telling you that's the reason he couldn't get to that point, <clears throat> you may want to consider that should that you know situation ever arise in your life, what decision you're going to make. Cause at the end of the day, our lives are basically just a long series of decisions. Mm-hmm. So you know, with the, the questions that I would ask these guys is, is really just trying to say, hey, if I ever come up on that situation myself, what decision am I going to make knowing the experiences that others have gone through? And I think that's the value of surrounding yourself with like mentors and, and people who are on a higher level because you can ask those questions and learn from those experiences so that you don't have to fumble over your feet and you know have the same issue it's funny the other day i was on a call and i was talking about this and i was like it's kind of like drafting in nascar you know you find somebody who's faster than you and farther than you and you slide up behind them and you get in their draft and then you don't have to work as hard because you're you're letting them do the hard work and you get to slide up a little bit with you know a little less effort and then when the time comes and they're worn out you get to absorb all of their energy and blow on by them because you still got, you know, 40% in the tank. So my theory is always learn as much as I can from the people who are ahead of me. And then when the time is right, move on to the next person and draft behind them and just kind of leapfrog to wherever it lands me in my journey of life. Yeah. Yeah. It's a perfect analogy right there too. And it's, it, it's not like, especially in sports, there's this win and loss mentality which obviously you know the outcome of a game 
is a win or a loss. But at, at the same time, it's there's lessons not only in losing, there's lessons in winning, right? And a lot of the, the best athletes out there are going to take the time to look back at the film, look, re- reflect on their game on, you know, even even the ones that, you know, like let's just say, you know, the Toronto Raptors just won the NBA Finals, right? Those guys are still going to go back and look at pieces of the puzzle like, okay, what can we do better? What can we improve on for next season kind of thing? Or even if it's just from the last game to the next game. It was this funny stat I heard. Well, it's not funny. It's crazy as hell. That Michael Jordan throughout his career, that he, if he didn't score more than, it was like 15 or 20 points in one game, the very next game, he averaged like 35 points a game. I mean, it was just like this crazy jump. Like he never let himself off the hook. Like he always outperformed himself like that very next game. And and, and, and it's kind of going back to what you're talking about. Is like there's a lesson in everything. You can learn from the quote-unquote, you know, p- broke people, poor people, losers. Like, the, and then you can learn the same. You can learn similar lessons from, you know, the rich and successful people out there. I'm not sure how much you follow like Ty Lopez, but a couple of years ago, I was going through one of his courses, and it was just a random little snippet. You know, he called the law of 33%, and and there was like 33% of the people you hang out with need to be at a lower status than you. And from that, it's so that you can one, educate them and help them and kind of, you know, help mentor them and bring them up. So you're educating and, and you're teaching the lessons that you're learning, right? Cause hopefully, you know, I know you are and the people you surround yourself with are always learning and educating and trying to mentor other people, but you know, always trying to be learning and, and help those who you can help. So, 33% at a lower level than you, 33% playing the game at the same level as you so y'all can work together, collaborate, you know, and do these kinds of things to help boost each other. And then the other 33% is working with those that are playing a game at a higher level than you that are accomplishing the goals that you're wanting to accomplish, etc. So it's like, you know, there's lessons to be learned from all three of those levels. And it seems like you really um, – you know, you really take that to heart, whether, you know, you're using the law of 33% or not. (laughs) Yeah, no, that's a great, great example. And and like you said, I think it's important to, you know, learn those lessons from the people and and help people below you. And and one of the foundations for for my life and, and what I'm truly trying to live by right now is that I think the more people I can help become successful, you know, throughout my lifetime, the more successful I will end up being. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and, and I think that's like a, it's called the law of reciprocity, uh, something like that. And it's just important to me because I think that and I've seen this in the last several months since I've gone into this lifestyle and this mental space of of truly waking up every day thinking, how can I help others? Uh, I, there's been like this influx of abundance in my life. And, and again, I don't want to say that I'm rich or doing crazy good or anything like that. But I can promise that I wake up every day fulfilled the money that I'm making now is significantly better than it ever has been in the past. Mm-hmm. And it, it truly just comes from waking up with that mindset of like, how can I help others be successful? And along the way, the universe just gives back. So uh, when I was just at this event back in San Diego, a couple of weeks ago, it was the scale and escape event. Kent Clothier hosted it. Mm-hmm. Uh, he said something that really struck out to me. It was, you cannot outgive the universe. 
Uh, holy shit that's powerful like yeah you know the, the more you give the more is given to you it's just this crazy thing and, and and a lot of people doubt it and think that that's not true and you know a lot of people feel like they're giving and giving and they're they're not getting anything back and and i don't know their situation but i can tell you from experience that the more that i give to others the more has been given to me and and i highly encourage others to to try and adopt that same kind of mindset because like you said it's important to help those that are below you as well as learn from those that are above you. And, and the best way to do that is to, you know, give back as much value as you can. Yeah. That's a really, really good quote. Um, I had to write that one down for sure. It's, it's that, you know, the law of attraction, you know, I, I, I believe it's real. You know, some people don't always believe in it, that it's a woo woo kind of thing. And it sounds like you definitely do. Um, but I think some people need to treat some of this stuff as like, just, you know, it, I, I, I heard this one quote, I, I can't remember who it was from, but it was, um, absence of evidence isn't evidence of absence. And what it, basically what that means for those who, who are listening, it's like, just because you don't have evidence that the law of attraction isn't real, or you, there's not evidence that you can't make a million dollars like right in front of you doesn't mean that it's not possible to do that or that those things aren't happening for somebody else out there. And that doesn't mean that it can't happen to you. And it's, and so it's just kind of getting over this hump of, it's just, it's just a mental barrier, you know, that people put up in their own minds that it's like, it's literally fucking possible for this to happen. Like insert whatever this is. Right. And you know, if, People like with your example, people giving so much and not getting anything back. What is it you're specifically looking to get back that you quote unquote aren't getting? Because if you're giving and giving, like you know, you say that you are, you're getting something back, and maybe you just aren't receptive and looking at what it is exactly that you're getting back that is valuable. It's not always, you know, a hundred dollar bill, a, a stack of, you know stack of money in a briefcase kind of thing. There's all kind value is value and whatever form that is for you from the person giving it to you, the universe, et cetera. And just getting that, getting that idea in their head, you know, it, it's so hard for some people because there's not tangible stuff that they can hold on to that's physical, that's there. And the mind controlling the mind sounds like it's fucking, I don't know next world like the jetsons kind of shit <laughs> for some people it, it's funny because people doubt the simplicity you know mm -hmm. it can't be that easy it, it it can't be that easy to just do that and you know it, it and that's the thing like if you have any doubts about it then it's not going to happen for you and that's that's like all these kids that you know especially when it comes to sports the people who make it to the nfl and to the the mlb and and play high levels they never doubted for one second that they would get to that level. They always had that belief inside of them that they deserved to be on that level, that they were going to get to that level. And that's why they did it. Mm -hmm. If you have any doubts in yourself, those doubts will just eat away at you. They will just absolutely tear you down every chance they get. Uh, you know, Ryan calls it the force of average. Mm -hmm. it, it's just one of those things where 
we want to doubt that we can get to that next level simply because the people around us have instilled that doubt, you know, and, and Ed Milet talks about this. You don't, you're not born with doubt. You're not born with mm. negative self thoughts. Like mm-hmm. you're born believing you can accomplish anything. And, and as kids, they tell us, Hey, you can do anything that you put your mind to. Mm-hmm. And then at some point they're like, Oh, well, yeah, you can, but not really that. Okay. And the problem is it's, it's not you that they, they think can't do it. It's themselves. And so that negative mm-hmm. self thought gets turned around on you. And then you just believe that because that's, that's what's the social people. That's what people are going on around you. Right. So that's why it, again, it's important to surround yourself with people who have achieved, who have been through struggles and, and overcame and, and gotten to that next, next level, because those are the people that will inspire you and, and remove those negative self thoughts from yourself uh, and allow you to break past that mental barrier. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, I definitely want to get into some of the, you know, as much quote unquote insider secrets of of the Stuman world of, you know, working for a guy like that. But I do want to go back because I thought it was very interesting, you know, talking about how you were blowing up the sales for the cigar shop when it sounds like you didn't have a whole lot of formal sales training up to that point. You know, you know, can you talk a little bit about what made you successful in that and then how, you know, you just kept growing from there from the next job to the furniture store, you were, you were crushing sales goals and then moving forward with that, you know, what was, you know, what was some of the strategies behind that? What, you know, were, who were you studying or learning from at the time to learn some of this stuff was, was that guy from the cigar shop helping you, you know, how, to, how what led to such success for you before, you know, before getting up to the the stages you're at now? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, like I mentioned earlier in the call, I never really cared for uh, salespeople. You know, I always thought they were kind of like out to get you and, you know, just wanting Mm -hmm. to get rich. And, you know, that, again, that was my scarcity mentality. Uh, So what really I think helped me, and especially when I got started with the cigar shop, was that, you know, when I was put in the position to, be a retail guy and, and help these people. What I found is, is people would come in and they would say, well, you know, what, what should I buy? What, what do, you know, what should I get? And a, again, there was two sides of it. One side of it was like, Hey, you want to help these people find something that they like so that they don't get upset and say, Hey, you sold me a shitty cigar. Right. Like, so you don't want to like, I'm a young kid. I don't want to deal with an older guy all pissed <laughs> off telling me I sold yeah. him some like lemon. Uh, <laughs> you know, that was one thing, but also it was more, you know, how can I help sell more and hit bigger sales goals? Like, mm-hmm. you know, I think for us, the, a, a good day was like $1,200 in total sales. And so I was always like, how can I get more than $1,200 in sales? And so what I did is I would go in and I'd just start sampling cigars. I would try this and I'd try that. And the ones that were more popular, I'd try those first. And then I would kind of work my way around from there. And so what I would do is when guys would come in, I'd say, hey, well, you know, what kind of sticks do you like to smoke? And they'd be like, oh, I usually get this, this, or this. And I'd be like, cool, those are awesome cigars. You should also try this, this, and this because they have a similar flavor profile. Or, Mm -hmm. you know, this is kind of like the same style that you like. Or, hey, this is a newer one. Yeah, it's a buck or two more, but I, I really think you'll enjoy it. If you ever want to you know, splurge, try one. And so that was kind of like my goal was just like, hey, introduce these guys to something that they never would have tried. And at the end of the day, we'll make more sales. I'll make more money. You know, everybody's happy. 
Mm-hmm. And so that was always kind of my mentality at the cigar shop to the point where, you know, I was learning. There was a guy who worked there, had been a part of the shop for about 15 years before I came in. And he was awesome. Harry was like my mentor at the time. He was an older guy, had run the shop, was teaching me business, teaching me life. You know, I didn't really have a great fatherly influence growing up. My dad was kind of a scumbag. He was in and out. You know, I haven't seen him in probably, I don't know, 10 years or so. Uh, So when I was in these positions, I was learning from all of these older men that I kind of not necessarily father figures, but I knew they were, you know, smarter than me. And it was best to just take what they were giving, you know, value wise and and listening. And so that's kind of where I took a lot of my my sales training from was just listening to the guys at the cigar shop, learning from the, the successful folks and, you know, just trying to see how I could help sell more by providing value. Hey, you like a strong cigar? Try this one and this one. Hey, you like something that's a little bit more spicy? These ones have a great little spicy kick to them. Like it was all about just finding like the simple stuff that these guys enjoyed about the cigar, what they, you know, resonated, what created an emotional tie to them, mm-hmm. and then just letting them know what was available. And, you know, every once in a while they grab an extra $10 cigar. So you don't, that doesn't sound like a whole lot. But if you get three or four guys that buy an extra $10 cigar or two a day, all of a sudden you got an extra three or $400 in revenue. And so that's kind of where I got started. From there, it was really just, you know, as far as the furniture store, I went in there and I didn't want to be what was called like an order taker. I didn't want to just stand there and say, oh, yep, like you want that, you want that, you want that. Cool. I was like, hey, what can I help you find? You know, what's your room look like? Is there a certain style that you want, a certain Mm -hmm. fabric? Again, just trying to figure out what the customer was looking for so that I could, you know, show them the options that we had available and then providing the best value. Hey, here's what I can do as far as, you know, if you buy these three pieces together, this is what I can discount it. You know, if you just need Mm -hmm. that piece tool, we can do that for you. But if you're looking to fill your whole room, here's how I can upsell and add a little extra, you know, flair or whatever. Again, it, it, it was making me more money, but the whole goal was to help the client too. You know, Hey, they yes. just bought a sofa. They need a love seat. They need a, a chair. They need an ottoman, whatever that looks like. And so that was kind of like always my mentality there to the point where I started selling insurance. Now, I don't know if anybody listening sells insurance or you're going to get into insurance. It's not a sexy thing to sell. Sure. Um, Everybody needs it. Nobody really wants to pay for it. Everyone thinks it's too damned expensive. And, you know, it's it's just a difficult product, but it is very, very valuable. I wholeheartedly believe in insurance. I carry a ridiculous amount of insurance just because I've seen and heard the horror stories. So I don't want to doubt it or, you know, come down on it. But to me, when I was selling insurance, I spent as much time as I could educating my clients on insurance, how it works, why they were paying the premiums they were paying, why they needed certain coverages. Because, Mm -hmm. you know, as crazy as it sounds, you don't think your 16-year-old kid's going to have an accident, but goddamn, they ended up running through a stop sign and they hit some little kid that was on their bicycle and you're getting sued for a million dollars. That sounds like a stupid, like crazy thing that could never happen, but I promise you it happens every day. Like, and, and lawyers are, bananas they're trying to sue everybody they can for anything they can get like yeah so again for me it was all about educating the customer and i think that you know really tied in with 
why I was successful because yes, I, you know, wanted to make more sales, but to me, it was more important to educate the client about what they truly needed uh, to, to have them understand why it was valuable. And I think that closed more deals for me than any like word tracked or sales script or anything like sure. that. Well, I think it's so powerful. You know, it's just, <laughs> we didn't, we weren't even intentionally talking about it before, but you led into it with what you were talking, what, you know, what led you to be successful was the, the questions that you were asking, asking yourself. And I liked how one of them, you know, was if 1200 is the average revenue that we make in a day, what can I do to sell more than that per day? You know, like that's a pretty specific question, right? Versus how can I make more sales? Right. right. So little, little things like that. And then, you know, the product knowledge, you've got to not only know the, like understand what the product is, but you've got to experience the product, like diving deep and getting, you know, you're, you were building your cigar palette and going through all these different things, tasting what these guys are tasting, you know, getting these experiences like you're talking about with, with them and how it relates to them and not just, Oh, this is, you know, this is our Johnny Walker cigar. This is X cigar. It's like this, you know, this one's got this kind of flavor and it gets this kind of feel and Hey, you like this? Like you're not putting down their choices. You're like, Hey, those are great cigars right there. Hey, that's a, that's a great house you guys just bought. Like you've got to know the size of the, you know, transitioning to the furniture stuff. You got to know the size of the rooms that they're looking at, what kind of style of furniture they like, what kind of style of people they are and meshing it up with that. And, you know, it's just this product knowledge plus experience plus, you know, looking into what it is that they want and they need versus, like you said, being an order taker, right? Like you go to like order takers, you go to McDonald's or any restaurant and your waitress or server, whoever is going to be the order taker. Like you're trying to provide an experience, get them more of a result than they think that they really need when they're coming to you for that kind of stuff. Like to be able to sell insurance is powerful because it's, you know, like we like we we're talking about before with the mental stuff, it's not tangible, right? You don't have, like you've got a written out policy of all this stuff, but like insurance isn't there. It's not like you've got real estate where you got this house that you're going to go live in. Like you don't, it, insurance isn't there until you need it kind of thing. So it's, that's harder to sell. And I don't really know where I was going with that, but just, you know, like it just, it's built. It's funny that we just built off of all the things we were previously talking about, and weren't even trying necessarily to lead into it. But it's it's made you so successful now. Yeah, I think again, what you touched on is is product knowledge, being passionate about the thing that you're you're selling or you're representing, whether it's a, a product or a service, and you know just believing in it. You know, there there's so many people out there that just show up to work to make a dollar and don't really care what it is they're doing or don't have any sort of like passion or appreciation for what they do and, and how they help people, you know, jobs exist because there's a need, there's a, a problem that needs to be solved. Mm -hmm. If you're not happy with the problem you're solving, you know, maybe it's time that you, you work on something else. And, you know, as much as people say it's hard to find a job, I, I disagree. I think there's a ton of abundance. There's ton of opportunity out there in the world mm -hmm you just have to be willing to go out and do it. You know, not everybody wants to get up at 4am and, and go do whatever they got to do. Maybe it's scraping freaking dead animals off the side of the road, but you know what, if those guys are making a good living and they're, they're happy with their life, I support that. You know, maybe some guys want to get up and they want to go and sell insurance because they believe that, you know, 
people need life insurance. Absolutely. People do need life insurance. I, as long as you're passionate about what you're selling and you're not selling something just to sell it, you know, you, you believe in the product and you're a representative of your brand or your movement. I think that's going to be more valuable and help you close more sales than any sort of like, you know, web seven, like webinar or sales techniques or sales mm -hmm. scripts. Like, yeah, you can use that stuff and you're going to close deals. But uh, at the end of the day, people buy from someone that they know, like, and trust. Uh, it, it's important to have that passion and show the why you believe in that because it's easier to create that trust factor. If the person I'm buying from, like, if I can see, hey, you know, you totally believe in this product. Like, I, I believe in you. I'm buying from you. I'm not necessarily buying the product now. Like, I'm buying this guy's story, the emotion that they created. And a perfect example is... I was just recently looking at apartments in Dallas with my wife. Mm -hmm. The first place we looked at, the guy was like, yeah, I love this place. I've lived here for about a year and a half. I've never had any issues like this. This is great. This is great. You know, this isn't, this thing isn't as great, but we're working on that. Like he was honest with us. Right. Mm -hmm. So we appreciated that. When we went to the second place, uh, we're, we hopped on the golf cart and we're cruising around and we're like, you know, Hey, so do you live on campus? And the guy's like, Oh hell no, I could never live here. Like, I spend all my time here. Why would I want to live here too? And it's like, you know, Hey, I get it. Like you don't want to work and live in the same place necessarily, but that just totally gave us the wrong impression. Like, sure. hell no, I would never live here. Like, well shit. Why would I want it? Like, these are not yeah. cheap apartments, you know, two grand a month, 2,500 a month or whatever they were like, that's a yeah. lot of money. And for the guy who's supposed to be showing us as a representative of the location that he would never right. live there, like, why would I have any, I don't even want to go look at those places anymore because I screw that. Yeah. Uh, exactly. So I, I think that's a great example of why it's important to be passionate. And I'm saying, I'm not saying you got to fake it or, or be like over the top, but people resonate with authenticity and, and, and trust that you're being honest with them. And if they can read you that way and you come across as genuine, like I said, I think that's going to close way more deals for you than, than any sort of sales tactics you'll use. Yeah. Yeah, without a doubt. We'll definitely want to get into, you know, as in, in, in the last, you know, 10, 15 minutes here as much as we could. But, you know, being able to work for a guy like Ryan Stuman, you know, I'm sure you're just massive amounts of knowledge, you know, being surrounded by A players all the time. You know, you're picking up on all kinds of things. What, I guess first, you know, first one, what would be your advice for somebody to like how you got into the position you're at, how can somebody find themselves a Ryan Stuman, a mentor like that, whether, you know, it's Ryan or not, you know, whatever industry it is that they're in or that they're looking to get in. Cause most of these kids who are, are in this, you know, high school, college, young professionals are still, they're not in a specific industry yet, but how can they find a mentor like that who is, you know, multimillionaire to get in and learn from and work from and, and, and get that kind of connection so they can, you know, set themselves up for success first, just going and getting, you know, some minimum wage job or even some quote unquote cushy corporate job that a lot of people would try to get after college. Yeah, that's a great question. So I think the, a great place to find mentors and, and people that you can invest your time and, and money with is podcasts. Uh, so if you're like me, I've recently switched. I used to watch a lot of TV and Netflix and all that. And, and instead of doing that, I now listen to podcasts. 
So I would say if you're looking for a mentor, somebody that you you know can invest your time and money in, go listen to some of the top podcasts on whatever uh, thing you're passionate about. Maybe it's business, maybe it's art, maybe it's sports. You know, go and listen to the podcast, listen to the guys who are on a high level and are sharing that value back. And then, you know, find the ones whose story you truly resonate with, who, who actually motivate you and inspire you to do big things. You know, part of the reason I came to work for Ryan is I had read his book a few years ago. I had been a part of some of his, you know, lower level programs. And when I bought into his Apex Entourage, his mastermind, I was in a situation in my life where I was kind of like, you know, I, I don't know exactly what I'm doing. I had plateaued at the insurance business and really wasn't feeling fulfillment anymore there. And so I was like, you know, I, I need to do something different. I need to surround myself with a new group of people, get myself out of this toxic, toxic atmosphere that I'm in currently and, and find somebody else to, you know, help me see past the issues. And the biggest reason is I had been listening to his podcasts. I had been listening to his content. Mm -hmm. You know, so I would say before you, you do the investment or, or join a mastermind, you know, hang out in the groups, you know, watch the other people who are joining and being a part of it and see what their success looks like. And if it's something that you feel passionate that you could, could see that same kind of success, that's when it's time to, to make the commitment and go all in. And, you know, yeah, a lot of these mentors, they're going to charge you 2,500 bucks or 5,000 bucks or, you know, whatever that investment is, mm -hmm. you know, don't, don't think of it as a cost. Think of it as an investment. You know, like you said with Alex Rodriguez, when he got that first big check, he went and bought a, a, a big house, you know, real estate. He wasn't thinking, oh, man, this house is going to cost me a million dollars. He was thinking, I'm going to invest a million dollars now, knowing that over the long term, the return on this is going to be significantly more than that. Mm -hmm. And that's the same way that I look at mentorships, you know. Yeah, there's a, a you pay, but again, it's an investment. You're you're learning. You're you're surrounding yourself with people who are at the level you want to be at, and allowing yourself to get there much faster. It's like if you had a favorite restaurant with like a spaghetti sauce that you just absolutely loved. You know, mm -hmm. you could spend years and years and years at home trying to perfect that same sauce recipe and never get it right, or you could go to the chef and say, hey, man, here's a hundred bucks. What's the recipe on that sauce? And there's a good chance they may give it to you <laughs> yeah. because, you know, hey, it's not that you're trying to go start another restaurant. It's like, hey, I just really love this sauce and I want to be able to make it at home. You know, yeah. for a hundred bucks, can I get that recipe? And they might do it. Yeah, so that's, that's the difference. Good. Like that. And that's a story that was told to me. And I'm like, holy crap, that makes sense. Right. Like, yeah, I could yeah. do this shit on my own. I am smart enough to figure it out. But why wait so long? If I have an opportunity to to do it faster, why would I wait? Yeah, yeah, that's good. I, I like that. I like that. So, what would be I'm trying to think? Because I like to ask, try to you know, I try to ask good questions. What would be you know? I feel like a lot of what we've talked about, you know, there's been some tactical stuff, but I feel like a lot of it's been more, you know mental side of things, how you can approach and perceptions and things like that, you know, from, from your, from the, all, all the different lessons you learn from Ryan and, and the different people you get to be involved with, what's, you know, like one, two, maybe three tactical strategies that these kids can take to, you know, I think we've talked about some savings and stuff on, on some previous episodes, but I think these kids need to get more income focused and learn how to really start scaling up 
their income level. You know, if whether you're making a thousand, let's get it up to three thousand. If you're making three thousand, let's get it. You know, just keep kind of doubling that income. What are some you know, like things that they can do? Whether it's you know, because that's the thing with athletes, they they feel like oh, I've got such a busy schedule, I don't have time to work, which isn't true because I look back at when I was playing sports in college and I had time to go over to my buddy's house and and drink and just chill after practice you know I, I mean you got school and you got these things right I know you got to get that stuff done but there's there's still chill time there's still downtime. so like what can these kids do to you know increase their income while they're still playing their sport that doesn't necessarily need to be going out and getting a full-time job or like you know a set scheduled quote unquote job so I would say the best thing that they could invest in would be continued education for uh, uh, from a business sense. Find something that you can um, learn how to sell. Maybe it's an online product. Maybe it's something, you know, marketing related. So one of the popular things right now is, you know, like digital marketing, you know, helping business owners get new websites, uh, create sales funnels, you know, things that, you know, can be sold to a business owner for, 1500 to $2,500 and has a, a good amount of profit left for, you know, a, a young entrepreneur to where they can, you know, spend a minimal amount of time actually having to, to go out. And, and these guys, since they're going to be thinking from a business standpoint, anyways, you know, being at that higher level, they're going to be connecting with business owners and other entrepreneurs. Uh, I think learning how to sell marketing websites, digital things, things that they can work mm -hmm. on from home, you know, from social media, that's going to be like the best investment for their time and their their money uh, because it's things that they can do while they're in their off time. You know, you're not always going to be at practice. You're not always going to be, you know, at the gym. But those times may be in the middle of the day where most typical nine to five jobs like you can't do that because you you have these other commitments. So I would say find something that you can do from the comfort of home, from your dorm room, whatever that looks like, and, and you know, make it legal. Don't be doing no sketchy yeah. stuff, right? Like, but invest in a course where you can learn how to sell a product online uh, because instead of sitting and playing, you know, NBA 2K for three hours, you could spend two hours working on your online business and then still get your hour of NBA 2K if that's what you really want to yeah. do. Uh, but yet you have to make sure you're investing your time wisely. And, you know, there's a lot of programs out there that you can learn how to sell online, sell on Amazon, mm -hmm. you know, do all these different things where you can bring in an income and create a residual business for yourself while still focusing on your goals of, you know, playing game, sports at a high level. Right. Absolutely. Well, I think even, you know, I, I've invested in a lot of a lot of different uh, programs, courses, you know, certifications, different things like that. Um, in the past five years, you know, uh, after graduating from college, but I think, you know, for these kids right now, like, yes, it's you're at some point you need to be investing in your education and in yourself. And I think right now is like, like you were talking about with the podcast. I mean, all, you know, these same influencers are going to have YouTube channels, where there's somebody that's like them in that niche that you can learn all of this stuff like for free for the most part. Like there's a lot of higher level knowledge that Ryan and some of, you know, and some of these other people aren't putting out on social media, on their blogs, like things like that. But for the most part, like to make the kind of money to make money like that, 
like you're talking about through this digital marketing and stuff like that, you can learn most, I'd say at least like 80 to 90% of what you need through these free resources out there. Yep. And to just take the initiative to learn that stuff before you feel like you've got to, because that was something I, I did, you know, a little too early in the game was, was go and, and buy courses and online programs and stuff when I could have, you know, just dug deeper and looked on different channels and things like that and really started implementing things a little bit more. But I was like, oh, you know, I feel like I'm going to sk skip the learning curve or something like that when I could have, but, you know, anyways, done. it's a done deal. But I just had Ryan's book, Social Media Millions, come in last week, and that one's very powerful. So I'm going to make I'm, – I'm going to add the link to this one into the um, into the show notes below. I mean, he's he's doing free shipping on this, or no, not for, the book's free. You pay for the shipping, which was like eight bucks. So, like, even if you just bought this book, right? You got this free book, and you sit at home and you know, like think like think about how long some of these drives are for these high school or college kids to go for games, right? We like we took. My first year in college, we took from Iowa, we drove a charter bus down to Arizona. That was a two-day drive. We drove for like like 20, 30, almost 30 hours. Like some, you know, some of that you're going to be bullshitting with the guys on the bus. You're going to be sleeping, you know, watching movies, things like that. Well, you know, I didn't, ha I had a BlackBerry curve. Like I could get on the internet a little bit, but I didn't have, you know, the iPhone 8, the iPhone 10 that's out you know, things like that, like you could do now. Like if you just had this book and you're sitting back and you're like making Facebook posts for somebody, you're posting on Instagram, you know, you're running like a funnel or something like this shit's not taking up 10, 20 hours of your day. Like you could do this shit in minimal time and bring a lot of value to these other, you know, people. Cause a lot of us, you know, that are younger, you know, I'm only 28. Drewby, I feel like you're around my age. How, how old are you? Uh, I'll be 32 on the 3rd of July. Okay, okay. So you're you're right around there as well, you know. And we're not too much older than the average age of this podcast. So that for them to just go in and start to learn this kind of stuff now, you know, social media is so easy for them. They grew up around it. They grew up in it. Like I didn't get my Facebook account till I was uh, freshman in college. I had MySpace. You know, none of them know about MySpace, but that was the deal back in the day. And, you know, so it's, it's so easy to learn that kind of stuff and to not have to go out and get that kind of job. So just, you know, get, I'm, this is a powerful book, social media millions. Um, we'll add that one in so much about it, but you know, I think that digital marketing for people is a very powerful niche to get in. And so many of them realize the, you know, business owners by them. I mean, like business owners today are really starting to catch catch wind of that trend and they're realizing that these younger kids out there are able to do more with it because they know more of it than they do kind of thing. But at the same time, like you can't just say, Oh, I know social media. And then, you know, you've got to understand that it's a, it's one piece of that. It's one tool in that business's tool belt. Like don't just like show up to the door and be like, Hey, I know social media. Let me handle your social media. Like you don't know shit about that business yet. You've got to learn that business. Like Ryan had to, or Drewby had to learn the cigars and learn what these people like to smoke and talk about that kind of stuff with them versus saying, Hey, I know social media, your social media sucks. Let me fix it for you. All right. 
Yeah, absolutely. I think one of the biggest things is, is like when I'm approaching clients, you know, if, if I'm working on a marketing deal for someone, cause I do some digital marketing as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's not a, Hey, your thing sucks. Hey, you're doing great. I love what you have so far. Here's what I think you could maybe be doing that might help you get more traffic. Here's what you could be doing that might increase the number of conversions that you have. No, no cost. Like, I just wanted to share that with you because I saw you have going on. I, I like you. I, I wanted to, you know, help you out a little bit. If you decide you want to do more help, let me know. I'd be happy to jump on a strategy call with you. Yeah. Providing value first creates an instant connection with people. It doesn't matter whether it's business or personal. You know, you hold the door open for somebody. They smile at you. They appreciate. That's value. They didn't have to take the effort to open up that door themselves. Like, think about that when you're approaching every situation in your life. You're like, how can you bring more value to that situation? Because the more value you bring, the bigger the problems that you solve, the more, you know, abundance is going to come into your life at the end of the day. Absolutely. I love that. Well, Drew, we just let's, let's build, you know, as, as a little finisher here, building off some of that uh, digital marketing talk out of, you know, anything that you've studied or that Ryan's put out there um, besides like, you know, I mentioned the social media millions book. What is like one or two resources that you would recommend these kids go check out and start to learn from, you know, building off that continuing education topic from before? Yeah, absolutely. So um, if they wanted to check out breakfreeacademy.com, that is where we have all of our online education programs ranging from uh, mindset, sales, our mastermind program, the Apex Entourage is back there. You know, you can surround yourself with guys who represent what winning looks like at all times. You know, our, our core mission is to match our reality to the most elite versions of ourselves. So, you know, if, if you're in that position where you want to surround yourself with other high level thinkers, I definitely would recommend, you know, checking out BreakFreeAcademy.com. They can find me on Facebook, uh, Drewby Wilson, D-R-E-W-B-I-E. Uh, Wilson is a standard spelling. You know, reach out to me. Let me know if, if you're going through a situation where you're, you know, looking to learn a new product. Maybe you want to sell digital marketing. We have our funnel closers program. Maybe you're somebody that's more of like a finance guy. We've got some programs that can help you do, you know, money lending without having to get a certain license. You know, there's a lot of ways, like I said, that we can help educate young entrepreneurs and, and future business owners on positions and jobs that they can work on, careers, professions they can build from their own home. They don't have to show up at an office every day. They don't have to dress up in a suit and tie. I mean, I know young kids don't necessarily like being controlled. Uh, so our goal is to educate them, give them the opportunities that most of society wouldn't. And, you know, like I said, breakfreeacademy.com, funnelclosers.com. Those are great resources, places that they can go and learn a little bit more about digital marketing. Uh, happy if they want to reach out to me, I'd be happy to share any of my experiences and, and value that I can with them. Because again, my goal is to help others be successful. And if I do that enough times, I'll be successful too. Yeah, no doubt. Well, let, you know, let them know. I know what the funnel closers is about, what that program is. I mean, I haven't been in it, so I can't say I know it like that, but you know, I know what it's about. I think that, I think that's a great one building off, you know, the, the digital marketing and the social media marketing piece we were talking about. Can you tell these kids, you know, educate these kids a little bit on what funnel closers is about and how, you know, it's, it's, it's a scalable thing and how these businesses are really impacted by uh, funnels. Yeah, 100%. So uh, a sales funnel is basically a method of drawing in new prospects or clients to a business. So every business needs new 
clients. They need customers, right? That's how they make their money. That's how they survive. Mm -hmm. So a sales funnel is a tool that allows you to go online, reach a massive audience, promote an offer, a business, a product, a service, whatever that may be, collect information from the prospect. Maybe it's a name, phone number, email, whatever that looks like, and provide it to the business owner. So some of the common, you know, funnels that I've sold would be real estate. You know, people who sell real estate always need to find new clients who are looking to buy a home or sell a home. So we can build them a sales funnel that will generate these home buyers or these home sellers. And that makes the job of the real estate agent easy because now they've got something that's working 24 seven. They're not having to pay somebody to make phone calls. They're not having to mm -hmm. go out and knock on doors. They've got something that's working for them online 24 seven, collecting information and providing it back to them. So the, the real estate agent gets to focus on helping people find their dream home, helping people sell their home so that they can move into the home of their dreams. The, again, the whole point of, of creating these sales funnels is to generate new clients for the business owner. Because that's what they need at the end of the day. They need paying clients so that they can make their bills and their payments and, and keep their doors open. A sales funnel is a way to help them acquire those new clients. And every business needs one. Um, there's new businesses opening up every single day. So there's a blue ocean of opportunity. There's never going to not be new businesses. So mm -hmm. that's why I really love that program, especially for young entrepreneurs, because it's a great introduction to the business world helping you know show business owners how they can grow and scale their business using these funnels by generating more traffic uh more you know clients through the door essentially mm -hmm. yep and it's and it's not always and starting from an ad but i feel like a lot of times it is you know if you're scrolling through facebook or instagram and you see those ads pop up let's say you see an ad that you like and you click on that and then that's where the funnel is like beginning to come down you know it's like bigger at the top and smaller at the bottom kind of thing as a visual for some of them I and mean, i know they know what a funnel looks like but just you know the kind of tactical pieces of that on the sales and the business end and then once you get into the you know you click on the ad you go like you look at the landing page you look at the website that it's at and you're like oh this is for me or this isn't for me and you're either gonna go deeper down that funnel and maybe take that free offer that they're offering you whether it's the 10 tips to flatter abs or, you know, 10 ways to make a hundred thousand dollars this year, like whatever it is that that ad is about. Right. And then it's just getting deeper down that funnel and, and it's just more leads. It's ways to, you know, it can be from a blog. It can be from a YouTube channel. Like there's all different ways, but just to get these kids different ideas on what that actually looks like. So they can understand it. And they're, they're in it all the time, right? They're, they're always, following into somebody's funnel out there they just may not know it right yeah it's it's funny when you finally learn like what a funnel is and, and you start looking at the big picture of things everything is a funnel every billboard that you see is a funnel every radio commercial that you hear is a funnel the entire idea of a funnel is is it's basically just marketing how can i put my message my offer my business product service in front of a bigger audience make them interested in what I have to offer and then have them call me to receive that product or service. That's a sales funnel in itself, like a website yeah. landing page. You know, we, we've kind of gotten to this point with digital marketing where everybody thinks a funnel is just, you know, like a landing page with an opt-in. But like you said, a funnel is essentially, 
It's a sales process. It's taking a client from not having any idea who you are, mm-hmm. educating them, providing them value, making them an offer, and then giving them an opportunity to accept that offer and provide you their information, whether it's their name and phone number or it's a credit card so that they can buy your product or service. That is the idea of a sales funnel. What you can go and sell these guys if you learn from the Funnel Closers program is exactly that. You learn how to have that conversation with a business owner, explain what a sales funnel is, how it can generate more traffic, more clients for their business, and then how to close them on that deal. So, hey, here's what it's going to do. Here's the value. Here's what it's going to do for your business long term. Here's what's going to cost. Let's go ahead and get this done. Yep. I love that. Well, thanks so much, Ruby. It's been a pleasure, sir. I will definitely add in all of uh, what we talked about into the show notes below, your social media pages, so everybody can check you out. And um, looking looking forward to this episode going live so everybody can really learn from this. This is an exciting episode. Thanks for coming on today, Ruby. It's been a pleasure. Hey, man, I, I appreciate you all, you know having me on. I don't, so it's always crazy when I get these invites, but any value that I can share with the, the community and the people around me, I'm happy to do that. So like I said, if you guys are listening, uh, reach out to me, Drewby Wilson on Facebook at Drewby Rides on Instagram. I'm a big cyclist, so nice. you'll see me on there. Um, yeah, man, anything I can do to help your audience, I would certainly be happy to. And again, I really appreciate you having me on. I'm, I'm grateful for you know people feeling that I'm worthy of talking about these things. And I'm just happy to be here, man. Awesome. Well, I love it. Thanks so much, Ruby. And until next time, everybody.